Could we stand together in honor of God's word? <clears throat> Matthew chapter 13. Uh, this is now Jesus' third sermon in Matthew. The first one is the Sermon on the Mount. We called it Life in the Kingdom. The second one is in Matthew 10 and 11 called Ministry in the Kingdom. And now this is his third sermon we're going to look at. Matthew chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him, them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Then down in verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds, weeds, among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Can you, can you last for just a little longer? Here we go. <laughs> Verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. 
The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I feel like this is an absolutely critical message for us to understand our own growth and the growth of those around us and how to work with you instead of against you. Please, God, bless bless our time. Speak to our hearts. Hide me behind your cross, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of the message today is Growth in the Kingdom. Point one is what the kingdom looks like now. Jesus said to his disciples, it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. In Luke's gospel, here's what he says about the parable of the sower. He said, if you don't understand this parable, you can't understand the mystery of the kingdom. This explains how the kingdom works. When he says mystery, it, is, it does not mean unknowable. It means something that was hidden previously and is now revealed. Up until that time, the Jewish mindset was that there are two ages. There's an age of darkness and there's an age of light. That darkness is this present age when Messiah comes and sets up his kingdom. It's going to be the age of light and everything's going to get cleaned up and the knowledge of the Lord is going to be all over the earth and the Messiah will rule from Jerusalem and Israel will be at the head of the nations and, and so we're in darkness. Messiah comes, we're going to be in light. And Jesus says, that's not it. It's not how it's coming. There is another stage to the kingdom. Jesus never denied that one day when he comes back, it will be full and it will be worldwide and it will be not just spiritual, it'll be political, it will come with outward signs. But he said, that's not happening now. There's a time right now where the kingdom of God is here, but it's not fully here. There is a time right now where not only is God active, but Satan is allowed to be active. This this was unknown and unseen and unprepared for. Here's what Jesus basically said. To understand the present time, it's going to be a mess. God's going to be sowing seeds, 
and the enemy's going to be sowing seeds, and God's allowing him to steal stuff that's not nailed down, and he's got, darkness has got some people, and light's got other people, and then there's this whole group in the middle. Lord, are they wheat or tares? Should we remove them? Should we? And he's like, you don't even know whether they're wheat or tares. You just let them grow. Let it all grow. Let the mass grow until the harvest. We'll sort it all out then. This is the time that we're living in now. Does this bear witness to anybody? Has anybody noticed that God's not the only one active in our world? There's, darkness is very, very active in our world too. Here's what Jesus said. Luke chapter 17. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of that the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. There's a time coming where it will come outwardly. Jesus said he'd come back, and it would be like lightning from one side of the earth to the other, and everybody would see him, and that kingdom will be very, very visible, and every enemy will be defeated. But right now, The kingdom of God is coming in our midst. It must be received in our hearts. It comes like seeds. It comes small and then grows big. It comes like seeds that need to be nurtured and watered and harvested. This is what the kingdom of God is like right now. So that moves us to point two. Right now, the kingdom works like seeds. A number of things about seeds. Seeds are not impressive up front, but they are powerful. That little seed, you would never think seeds, a little seed in the ground could grow up and break cement, but it happens all the time. There's a lot of power in these little seats. Jesus said it like this. Kingdom of God's like a mustard seed. I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed. You, you can barely see it. You hold a mustard seed in your hand and you're like, are you kidding me? Something's going to come out of that thing? And Jesus says when, when, when that thing gets planted, it's the smallest little thing, but when it grows up, it, it, it dominates the garden. I remember... When I first uh, gave my heart to Christ, it was at the end of my freshman year in college, and I didn't really understand what I had, and came back to the, the dorms in, in, in uh, Celery B in, in the fall, and uh, all of a sudden, I had a, a, an experience with God where I realized, oh my, this is, this is everything. And I I prayed the prayer again. Has anybody ever prayed the prayer more than once when you realize, oh my, this is really important. I'm not sure the first time took because I didn't really realize how important this is. I didn't realize how much of a sinner I am. I didn't realize how good God is. And I I really, uh, for real, I really need to be saved. And so, you uh, you know, I, I, I prayed it again so that it would take. And it took except for one thing. I was so filled with my own intellect and so filled with lust 
that I just, I couldn't imagine how I was going to stay saved. Every morning, I'd, I'd be in the shower, and I'd have to go through proofs of why I believe God exists, and then why I believe Jesus, and, 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 and it just was like a, like a war, and, and all I could think of was, Lord, I just don't know how long I can do this. I, I just, I can't, I, it's, I'm so tired. I'm, I'm fighting so hard. I just, I just don't know. I know I'm saved now, but I don't know if I can stay saved. Lord, and the Lord spoke to me. It was probably one of the very first times that he spoke to me. Here's what he said. I'm in the shower. This is what he said to me. It'll be easier a year from now. Now, to, to us here today, that doesn't sound that encouraging. <laughs> I'm like, really? A year from now? But it was exactly the word that I needed to hear. Here's what he was saying, in essence. This is a journey. This is a marathon. This is, this, something is going on in you, and it's going to take time. And you know what? A year later, it was easier. I didn't have to do all the stuff. I didn't have to fight for my position as much. And, and you know what? A year after that, it got easier. And frankly, um, what's happened is this. You know, when you first come to Christ, it's this, it's this part, this new part of your identity. But you still got all your other identities. You know, you're this, 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 this. There's all these things you have to make you feel good about yourself or bad about yourself. And what happens as you walk with Jesus, all of the other identities drop off and become inconsequential. Yes. And pretty soon, pretty soon Jesus becomes your identity. Today, I, I can say like Paul, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. My identity is not city church. My identity is not um, this thing that's going to happen or that thing that's going to happen or this failure I've had or this hope I've got. My, I'm, I'm in Christ. And Jesus is enough. And he becomes the biggest part of us. And it's not that there aren't other things in the garden. They just, they don't compare to this Identity that we find in Jesus Christ. How did it happen, Tom? I don't know. Do you know it actually says that in Mark 4? It says the kingdom of God is like a farmer who sows seed, and then he goes to bed and sleeps, and that seed grows, and he doesn't know how. It just grows. I don't, I, how did I fall so in love with Jesus? How did Jesus become so important to me? How, how is that the burning fire of my life? I don't really know how it happened, but I love it. Yes. Seeds are unimpressive but powerful. Secondly, seeds require patience. So, dad is at the at the plant shop with his son and <clears throat> they're looking at all of the different plants and all of these different bags of seeds and there's one that's got a big picture of a watermelon on it and, and, uh, 
And the, the dad is trying to explain to the boy, you put one of these seeds in the ground and you water it and you weed it and pretty soon you got a watermelon. And this boy is just, no, no, that can't be, that can't be. Dad says, absolutely, he said, dad, can we get these seeds? Can we plant a watermelon in our garden? And, and so, uh, so they go ahead and buy it. They go out to the, the, the garden together and they, they, they take that little seed and they put it in there and bury it and water it. And, and uh, that night, right before bed, they, they're going to have their prayers. But added, there's a new prayer added to all the other prayers. And it's this, this little, little guy with all of his heart and all of his mind. Oh, dear God, please grow that watermelon. <laughs> oh, God, let there be a watermelon. Touch that seed, God. And so, um, and then the little guy would get up in the morning, and because he had prayed, and he had prayed such faith, he would run out, run out the door before breakfast, run out to the garden and look. Oh, no watermelon. And he'd come back in, and he's like, Dad, there's, no, there's, not, there, there's no watermelon. And Dad's like, be patient, son. You need to be patient. So the next night, they're praying, and they get done with all the prayers, and then, then the boy kicks in again. Oh, God! You know we planted this seed. Please, God, touch that seed and let there be a watermelon. And same thing the next morning. And he runs out before breakfast, runs out to the garden, comes back in. Dad, there's no watermelon. So he's like, son, we gotta, you got to be patient. This is going to take time. Next night, get done with the prayer. Son kicks in again, more fervent than ever, calling out, goes to bed. Dad can't handle it anymore. He goes to the grocery store. <laughs> he buys a massive watermelon. And he, put, he puts it in the, in the garden. And sure enough, the next morning, that sun comes out. He runs out without breakfast. He runs out to the garden. And you can imagine his excitement. We got a watermelon! God is alive! It's a miracle! You know, when... I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes God does that for us. Sometimes he doesn't do the full process of sowing and reaping. There isn't the long season. Sometimes he just, you prayed about the addiction and sometimes it, it, all of a sudden it's just gone and the whole thing is gone and it's a miracle and you know, you tell everybody else and, and uh, there, there is a miracle where God just in mercy because he loves his children because of their, 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 their pain and their longing, sometimes God, because he is God, he does whatever he pleases, kind of supersedes the process and just goes down to the store and puts a watermelon in the garden. And, and it's really exciting. But it's funny because we were down at a fellowship uh, day and uh, John Sprecker, who's our... He's the fellowship coordinator for the whole FCA. He, he gave a little speech and he said, you know, um, he said, you want to know what the Achilles heel of charismatics are? Charismatics is? 
He says, the event. He says, we're on a long journey. We're on a long journey, and charismatics oftentimes want everything to happen in that one event. And we just, we need to have that one event, and then all of our troubles will go away, and all we need is God to do something, and everything will be better. And, and he said, and of course, we love that tradition of, ex, of expectancy, and, and, and God can do miracles and coming into his presence, but, but guys, we're going to be very unhealthy Christians if... If it's all about the event and we miss the fact that we're on a long journey that is going to require patience. Once in a while, God will bring a watermelon and put it in the garden, but usually you got to water and weed that thing and wait. I'm reading James chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing right at the door. Be patient. We lived in Montevideo, Minnesota for 11 years, and that's, that's corn and bean country, folks. Our congregation was uh, more than 50% farmers, and so we're, we're praying. And farmers always have something to pray about. They either want rain to come or they want rain to stop, and we, they certainly want to pray against hail. You never want hail because it damages the crops. So we, I used to say, heaven yes, hail no. Um, and I'm sure every kid in the church picked up on that. Um, anyway, we had many prayer meetings for rain, and um, anyway, so one day I'm with a, I'm with a farmer, we're riding somewhere together, and uh, it's, it's late spring, and, and they're massive, massive fields, and, uh, and all you could see is this little green all around coming up, just this little speck of green, but it's everywhere. It's like a sea of little specks of green, and he says, do you, he says, do you know what that's called? He said, it's called peeping. The corn is peeping. I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) And you know, peeping corn to a regular person is like, it's not really useful. (laughs) What's useful is when it's fully grown and there's corn on there that we could eat or we could plant or we could do something with, but peeping corn to your regular person is just like, Uh, that's not impressive. When is this thing going to be able to do something? But to a farmer? Oh, he was like, the corn is exactly where it should be right now. This is, he was so excited that the corn was peeping.
Have you ever noticed how we look at our own lives and how we look at the lives of others in concerning Christianity? <laughs> we see what Jesus is like, and that's what we want. We want to be like, and we want other people to be like, and why aren't we like that? And do you know that Jesus himself can be looking at that same life and saying, mm, right where I want him to be? Right? Well, boy, that, boy, they're looking good right now. Boy, they're looking good. And, and, and one of the angels says, really, Lord? That, they're, yeah, they're just, they're peeping right now. It's okay. <laughs> they're not even that loving, Lord. Yeah, but they're peeping. There, there's a little love there. There's a little patience there. There's a little joy there. And, and, and the Lord just has to say, wait, be patient, be patient. The seed needs to receive both the spring and the fall rain. The word of God in us alone cannot do it. It needs the, it needs the fresh rain of the Holy Spirit. It needs, it needs the presence of God. Uh, now, seeds are very surprising. Their, their ability to last is it's stunning. If a seed is in a very dry place, they can last hundreds of years. And then rain hits them and boom, they germinate. This should be very encouraging. How many know Christians that are between rains right now? Maybe you're that Christian between rains. Maybe, maybe you had a growth spurt. And right now you're in a dry time, and it's like, I, I just, I, I grew for a while, and it's not going the way I wanted to, and, and, and be patient, be patient, and, and get under that fountain. Access that rain. You know, many of us have children, or friends, or work associates, and it's just like, mm-mm, devil's got a hold of them. They're going the wrong way. They're doing the wrong stuff. They're doing, you know what? Don't be so quick to say that because there's a lot of seed out there, folks. There's a lot of seed out there. And it's amazing how one encounter with the presence of God can start germinating that seed. And that which has been latent can all of a sudden, whoo, pop up. So James says these words, be patient, brothers and sisters, be patient. And then he says this, don't grumble about each other. Don't grumble about each other. Stop complaining about each other. Be patient. Learn to be patient with yourself, but you need to be patient with your brothers and sisters. This has caused so much havoc because people come to the church and they want the church to be perfect and they want the church to be, I thought, I thought the church is supposed to be love. I thought the church is supposed to be accepting. I thought the church is supposed to be holy. Well, we're a bunch of hypocrites. Well, it's messy. It's messy. They say right in this parable, Lord, uh, 
Should we remove the weeds? Should we remove the tares? And the Lord says, you don't know whether they're wheat or tares. You don't know. If you went around trying to get everything out that you, you deem as being hypocritical or not good enough, you would be removing my people. Because you don't know. You don't know. He says, he says, don't grumble or complain. Don't judge. You don't got the right to judge. You don't have the ability to judge. The judge is at the door, and you'll end up being judged if you, if you come down on other people. Because you don't know. You don't know. Are they an immature Christian that are going in the right direction, and God's cleaning them up little by little, even though they don't look Christian? Or are they a wolf in sheep's clothing? You don't know. So don't judge. There is a place for leadership to remove leaven. We'll talk about that next week. We start the community of the kingdom next week, but um, Jesus said, be patient. He is the only one who has the right to bring judgment because he's the only one that died for us. So we have seeds are unimpressive yet powerful. We have seeds require patience, and then thirdly, seeds are vulnerable. <laughs> Jesus says this. This is, this is in Luke 8.18. Be careful how you hear. Because those who have little, even what they have, is going to be taken from them, and those who have much are going to actually have an abundance. He said, this is how the kingdom works. Doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem fair. Well, why would God, the ones that have little, why would God take away the little they have? God doesn't take it away. He says in this scripture how it works. The, de- the, the seed is sown and the devil comes. And if the word of God has not been valued and not been protected, he just steals it. He steals, he steals the word of God. The real, genuine word of God that came to save, that came to heal, that came to renew, that came to refresh, the enemy came and stole it. Well, how does the enemy steal? Well, you want to know the first words that Satan spoke to the human race? Did God really say? And you, do you know that he has a field day in a culture like ours? of just sowing that question, sowing that question, sowing that question. And pretty soon, maybe he didn't. You surely will not die. If there's a lie that this generation has believed, it's this one. Surely you won't die. Go ahead and do whatever you want to do. You won't die. Because God, God loves you, and so God would never, ever... God does love us, but God's holy, and that's why Jesus died for us. Seeds are very vulnerable. Seeds, they're they're powerful, but they're very vulnerable up front. You need to plant them, and then you need to treat them with value. You need to treat the Word of God, the Holy Spirit speaking the Word of God to your heart as if, oh my, I have just been given a great treasure. It says this. Jesus says it's like this. If 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 you grasp it, 
The kingdom of God's like a man who finds treasure hidden in a field. When he finds it, for jo- first he hides it again. What is that? He's protecting that which is valuable. And then he goes and sells everything because he realizes what he has is so important and so valuable. And Jesus says, when the word of God is not treated like that, it either gets choked out by persecution or when trouble comes, or it gets choked out by the worries of this world or the desire for riches or desire for other things, and the word of God ends up being stolen and unfruitful. There's a thief, and he uses lies to steal life from people. Well, I don't believe in the devil, Pastor Tom. I'm a, I'm a 21st century person, and we don't believe in those things anymore. Well, it's a, that's a good way to get stolen from. That's a great start right there. You, seriously, you have to acknowledge an alternate reality to win in Christianity. You just do. There's a spirit world, folks. There is a spirit world. I'm sorry about it, but there is. And there's a war going on, and God wants us to win, but we've got to learn how to fight. Fourthly, seeds valued and protected will produce a harvest. Thank you. So then Jesus says this. Those who have, those who have honored the word of God, protected the word of God, valued the word of God, they are going to have an abundance. There is no limit to how seeds can work. This is the great hope, folks. Listen to the power of a seed. You take one apple seed and you plant a tree. And the, the average apple tree has 200, approximately 200 apples on it. And every one of those apples has approximately five seeds. So an apple tree produces 1,000 seeds every year. Every year, you've got a thousand more trees that could be planted. Do you see the multiplication of the kingdom of God? This thing is insane. 30, 60, 100 fold. The, when the word of God is properly valued, watered, and weeded, the, the level of fruit that can come from it, it's, it's really infinite. It's absolutely amazing. It's hard for us sometimes because we don't see things over a long period of time. We were at the FCA convention, Fellowship of Christians Assembly convention up in Canada, and because it was in Winnipeg, uh, we drove there. We took eight, eight of us, went, got into the, uh, a van that we, we rented a van for half of what it would have cost for one plane ticket. Folks, do not fly from Madison to Winnipeg. It's really expensive. Now, if, you, if you're going to drive there, it's a long, long drive. And so there's all kinds of stories about that drive that I'm not going to go into. Um, <laughs> someday I will. <laughs> there's one specific story that's very funny that I'll tell you sometime, but not today. Thursday morning, a father-son in ministry did uh, father's 
God's desire for fathers to bless their sons, their physical sons and their spiritual sons, and the power of fathers blessing sons. And so he gave seven ways that fathers bless sons. And then his son got up, who's also in the ministry, and did seven ways that sons need to honor fathers. It was just absolutely beautiful. And then he had all the spiritual fathers pray for their spiritual sons in the room, and it was, it was very beautiful. And after that session, we went to workshops, and Tom Alexander, who is one of the overseeing elders of this church, was doing a workshop. And so we were there. Uh, we were there with, with, with the, the, whole, the, the staff that was along. We're all in Tom's workshop. But Pastor Heckman was also there. Pastor Heckman pastored this church for 35 years. Pastor Heckman... Uh, sowed seed again and again and again and again. And he was in Tom's workshop and Tom said, comes up to me and whispers to me. He said, I'm going to do something. I want you to just go with this. And so he, he gets up there and he says, uh, he says, Pastor, sometimes it's been hard to understand that your sons are not just your physical sons, it's your spiritual sons. And, and some of those sons are here today. And he said, I, I myself am one of your sons, and Tom Flaherty, and so I came up, and Roger Olson was there too. Roger served on pastor staff. And, and then he said, and now all of our staffs are here, and Tom pastors a church called Two Rivers. So all of his staff came up, and all of Roger's staff came up, and all of our, my staff came up. And... And he said, we are your spiritual children, and we want your blessing. And so we were all across the front of that, and we all got on our knees, and Pastor Heckman prayed a blessing over all of us. It was so beautiful and so healing for a man of God to see the fruit that's still going on. Sometimes we don't get to see it, and we don't, we don't see our lives in the big picture. And then finally, becoming God's seed. So it's interesting in the text. The first time I saw it, actually. In the first parable, it's about us receiving God's word as seed. The second parable, it's a progression in the second one, we're the ones that are sown as the seed in the world. The sons of the kingdom are the ones sown. So we are to go from receiving the seed to becoming the seed in the world. That God is using our lives to seed this world with the kingdom of God. So uh, for years in high school, I detasseled corn. Hard work, minimum wage, sun beating down on you. You're wet and cold in the morning. You're hot and tired at night, um, in the afternoon. And I, I was, I, I, I detasseled, and then I was a crew leader. And, and here's what detasseling is. You are taking corn that would be feed corn, and you are making it seed corn by detasseling. You say, well, why is that such a big deal? Well, let me tell you why it's a big deal. A bushel of feed corn is $3.70. A bushel of seed corn is $138 a bushel. So there's a big difference. And if it's not detasseled properly, 
they, they will come and they will go through the inspectors, uh, the, the field inspectors will come through and if it is not detasseled properly, they'll just say, nope, that's feed corn. And the people that own the, the, the fields lose you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars if, if, if you don't detassel properly. Why, why detassel? What is detasseling? Okay, so they've got two male rows and then six female rows, and all of the female rows need to be detasseled. If, if they pollinate themselves, you don't want the pollen to come from your plant or from a like plant. If you pollinate yourself, it's going to end up being feed corn. And so you got to get all of those tassels out before the wind blows on them and their pollen starts going around. You get rid of all those tassels. And so you have to go through many times because they, they come up at different times and some of those tassels are very deep and you, you can't get them all in one pass. So you'll go through a, a field three, four, five times until they're absolutely sure that there is going to be this hybrid that's made by cross-pollination, and then the wind blows on the, on the male tassels, and, and all of the female plants get fertilized right, and then you've got this hybrid, and then they, they say, yes, this can be used as seed. We're going to use this to reseed. We're going to use this. This is going to be used to plant more corn in other places, and it'll be good corn, and it'll be the right corn, because this seed is not a mix. And this is how the kingdom works. The Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind, so that you might prove what the will of God is, the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We, we have to be detasseled. We have to detassel our thoughts, our own thoughts, our own opinions. We have to detassel other people's thoughts and opinions, and we have to get rid of those and then allow the wind of the Holy Spirit to bring this cross-pollination where we are pollinated by Jesus. We're pollinated by the Word of God, and, and, and that our thoughts and His thoughts become one, and then we are useful to actually be seed. Listen to this verse in 2 Timothy. We're almost done. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. The master doesn't have to use any of us at any time. Well, God can just use me whenever he wants to. No, no, you have to decide you want to be used first. And if you want to be used, then you're going to have to detassel yourself. You're going to have to help. That's why we oftentimes, we need to get together. We need to get small groups. We need Bible study. Why? We're detasseling each other. We're getting rid of our thinking the way we think it should be, the way our identity gets in so many wrong things, and it's easy to believe lies, and it's, for some reason, it's easy for believers to see other believers that are believing a lie and say, that's a lie. And that same believer can have trouble seeing that it's alive for their own life, but they can detassel somebody. Anyway, we need each other. We need each other. We get washed by the truth so that God can now say, I, this, is, this is a vessel prepared so I can seed this. I, God wants to seed our schools. How is he going to do it? You! We're the seed now. 
He wants to seed the, the, an accountant in the, in the whole world of finance. And he wants to seed a boss over here. And he, he wants to seed a waitress here. And he wants, to, he wants his kingdom to come all over this field. How many know everybody's not coming to church? Has anybody noticed that? So he says, he goes to them. How does he go? Through you. But we're only feed corn if we're a mixture. If we're, if we're not careful, we don't value the word of God. The wind blows, and, and yeah, we get a little of God's word, and we get the world, and we kind of got this mixture of us and the world, and you know, what was on last night's TV show, and, and this is our culture is absolutely confused spiritually. They, what, what's right, what's wrong? Is, is anything right or wrong? They don't know. We've, we've, we've got to detassel this world's thinking. And we've got to let the wind of God bring the pollen of the word of God. I'm going to close with this. I've got a friend in Minnesota. His name is Kevin, and he's given me permission to use his testimony. However, it will help other people. We moved to Montevideo in 1996, and shortly after we were there, Kevin was in a service and gave his heart to Christ and was baptized. And Kevin was a feeler and a talker, and he, he, him and I had a very special connection, so he, he, he'd come and talk to me. And we would talk all the time about the Word of God, about what he needed to do to grow, and what he, and, and he, would, he would always say yes to me and say yes to Jesus, but he also said yes to the world, and he said yes to his alcohol addiction, he said yes to his pot addiction, he said yes to the people at church, and he said yes to his friends that were going in the wrong way. And so we would see Kevin, you know, maybe on average once every month, if, if there were two weeks in a row that Kevin was there, there was a revival going on in Kevin. And, and if there were two months, I, I just knew Kevin was out there again, and, but, but he, he, he'd always come back. He'd always come back, and I, I, he met a woman, and I did the, the, the wedding for them, and she was, she was a lot like he was, just kind of out there and back and forth, back and forth, and um, she had two daughters that she brought in to the, to the, to the family, and then they had three sons together, and, and we, I just loved this family, and we, uh, they, we were their church, even though they weren't there very often, they, we were their church, and, but it was, it was in and out of the world, and he, he could, uh, I mean, we, we both talked about the day he would be able to be an influence and be able to be used in leadership, and, but, but he needed to get free first. You got you to gotta be free at some level to bring freedom to others, and, and so, but he was constantly in this thing, and then, and then uh, his wife got a job up north, good-paying job, and his business was one that could be moved, so they decided to go up there and do that, and um, time of great darkness came to him, great loneliness, and he couldn't find a church, and um, got very depressed, and, and that, that addiction started becoming the strongest thing in his life. And then he, on one horrible, fateful night, he did something just so wrong, so wrong that he went to prison. So wrong that he spent time in prison, and while he was in prison, he lost everything. He lost his home. His wife divorced him, uh, took the kids. It was really bad. And all the way through this, he's calling me. He's calling me all the time, and I'm, I'm just speaking the truth. I'm praying for him. I'm speaking the truth. I'm praying for him, speaking the truth, and praying for him, but it, it's not helping. He, he is angry. He is in self-pity. He is, and so he gets out of prison after a couple of years. 
And he calls me, he says, I'm at the point of suicide. I just, I just want to take my life. I don't see any reason for living. I said, bro, you know what? If you're gonna, if you're gonna die anyway, why don't you die to self and actually live for Jesus? Why don't you just try it? Amen. You know, you, your life is over. You've lost everything. Why don't you actually do the gospel on God's terms? Amen. And because he always says yes, he's like, yeah, I really should do that. <laughs> and then at some point, I mentioned Todd White and, and go on YouTube and watch Todd White. So he calls me a couple months later. And he says, my life is entirely changed. He said, I've been watching Todd White. And, and I said, well, tell me what you've been learning. And he's telling me all of these things as if it's the first time he's ever heard them. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? God showed you that through Todd. Wow. That's good, man. I wish I thought of that. Wow. So uh, I hadn't talked to him a while, but I got a text from him on Easter about, you know, he is risen. Happy Easter. And I called him the next day. And Kevin, Kevin goes to church regularly. He's got a men's group. He's got a steady job. He, he's telling me about all the people that he's helping. He's telling me all the people that he's touching. He's telling he's engaged to be married to a new woman, but it's not about that woman. It's about Jesus. It's his life. He has finally become seed. Yes. Now, here's why I wanted to tell you Kevin's story. Do you see the love of God? Bad decision after bad decision after bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. He wanted to give up on God, but God wouldn't give up on him. And God brought him through. It's, it's, it's just such a shame that he had to lose everything. But God got through, and now he's seed. And he's being used in this world as a force for redemption. Now, here's what I'm urging you, friend. Don't wait for that time to become seed. Don't wait for that time. Let's set ourselves apart now. Let's detassel ourselves from this world's thinking and all of the world's junk and say, Jesus, this world needs you now. And I, wanna, I want to be separated as a vessel that you can use now, I give you my accountant practice. Would you come and make it the kingdom of God? I, I give you my uh, waitressing job. God, would you make it more than a waitressing job? Would you make it the kingdom of God? Lord, I give you my university classroom. God, make it something more. God, I give you my welding business. I give you, you, get, you get the idea. I'm not, I can't name every profession. <laughs> All right, let's, let's uh, stand together. As the worship team comes, if you wouldn't mind bowing your heads for just a moment, I want to pray for two groups of people. First, maybe you are here and you're not sure you're saved. Maybe you prayed the prayer, but you, just like me, you, you, you didn't really know what it was. And, and you don't know if you're about you or you're about Jesus and 
God, God wants to seal that. That is the beginning point. You gotta, you gotta value and treasure and hide that seed in your heart. Jesus says, I stand the door, the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I will come in. I will bring my eternal life. I will bring that imperishable seed that saves us of the word of God. If that is you, you're here. Jesus is knocking and you just want to open, open that door and seal this thing with you and God. Would you just, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just raise your hand real high long enough for me to see it? I see, I see those two hands and that hand and that hand. Well, up in the balcony, I see you. God bless you over here. Okay. I see that hand in the back. I see these two hands right here. Thank you, guys. I see you, bro. God bless you. God's doing something in this place right now. Would you mind putting your hand on your heart if you raised your hand? And Lord, I, this is precious, precious seed. You died on a cross. You rose from the dead, and you are alive, sowing salvation, sowing salvation. And Lord, sometimes we just don't realize how important it is and how valuable it is, and we don't take care of it. So, Lord, we're with holiness right now. We're opening our hearts and saying, Jesus, please come in. Come in and save me. Come in and wash away my sins. Come and secure this relationship. And Holy Spirit, help me to hide it, to guard it, to protect it, and for joy, sell everything that I might own this salvation and this new eternal life with God. Lord, would you do that? You're the only one that can. In Jesus' name, amen. Second prayer is... You just need fresh water on your seed. And maybe you need patience for that spouse or that coworker or that person in your small group that's not growing fast enough for you. And you're just irritated with. And you need God to just water you and water them. Would you just open your arms like this in the receive position? And we're just going to pray. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. Dear God, we want to be, we don't want to just receive seed. We want to be seed. So God, would you wash us right now? Would you send both the spring and the autumn rain? Holy Spirit, would you germinate every seed that is in us? And give us patience, God. Just because we're not all full-blown yet and we're only peeping, that doesn't mean you're not happy. It just means we need to hang in there. Lord, maybe there are some here that just needed that word that it's going to be easier a year from now. Stay at it. Stay in there. Hang in there. Keep watering. Keep weeding. Father, I pray that you would help us to detassel ourselves and help us to detassel each other from all of the enemy's lies and thinkings and questions and doubts and lusts. And Lord, free our minds from that which enslaves us. 
And Holy Spirit, would you blow, blow on the word of God, blow on the pollen of heaven and, and germinate in us, rest in us, speak to us and make us your seed in this world. Lord, you know what's going on in this country right now. You know what's going on in this world right now. You know how active the devil is right now. You know about this generation, how confused they are. Lord, they need us to rise up. They need us to be more than having complacent American lives. They need us to, to have this fire of Jesus. Lord, I pray for every single one of us that we would get excited about the power of multiplication, <laughs> the power of how the kingdom can go 30, 60, 100 fold, and all of a sudden, one little seed, one little word, one little thing can just change an atmosphere. Lord, in Jesus' name, I break discouragement, I break depression, I break hopelessness, I break heaviness in this place. In Jesus' name, this is a good day. This is a day, whatever the devil's doing, that God's doing something. And he's doing something in me, and he's doing something through me. And it might not be impressive, but it's powerful. And we're going to wait on you, God. We are going to wait on you. We're going to wait on our brothers and sisters, and we're going to do this thing together for your glory, for our good, and for the good of this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We're going to have ministry teams up front. If you want more prayer, you're welcome to receive that. Otherwise, have a great day.